You are listening to the audio podcast of the weekly message preached at Central United Methodist Church in Arlington, Virginia. You're invited to worship with us in person on Saturdays at 4.30 p.m. or virtually through Zoom or Facebook on Sundays at 10.30 a.m. Visit us at www.cumcballston.org. There you can learn more about our congregation and how we worship God, serve others, and embrace all. The scripture today is from the Common English Bible, Matthew 10, 40-42. Those who receive, you are also receiving me, and those who receive me are receiving the one who sent me. Those who receive a prophet as a prophet will receive a prophet's reward. Those who receive a righteous person as a righteous person will receive a righteous person's reward. I assure you that everybody who gives even a cup of cold water to those little ones because they are my disciples will certainly be rewarded. The Word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. So before I was called to ministry, I was called to be a maternal child health nurse. Working in maternal child health was a gift. One of the miraculous things that I was able to do as a nurse, and one of the things that I never got tired of doing, was washing a newborn baby soon after birth. Their eyes would be wide open, skin like velvet, and those tiny, precious bodies so fresh from God. It was a special privilege to have sweet infants in my care during those moments and to be amongst the first hands that would welcome them into the world, the first arms to hold them gently, the first voices to speak words of love. Welcoming another may well be the most important theological task of our time. After all, God has welcomed each of us. God opened up God's life wide open to us. God made space within, just like a pregnant woman, right? All of creation exists within God. And God opened up further by sending his son, Jesus, to be amongst us. Jesus taught and healed and ate with lots of people. His, one of his um, common things to do was to wash another's feet. Washing another's feet was an act of welcome, an act of compassion, an act of acceptance. In ancient times, when someone was offering to wash your feet, it was a, a deep sign of friendship. Remember when the three visitors arrived at the Oaks of Mamre near Abraham's tent? Right away, Abram said, let a little water be brought to wash your feet. Well, hospitality, according to our scriptures this morning, is as simple as offering a glass of water. I read this week that prisoners in Texas have no air conditioning in 120-degree weather. Lord, have mercy. You know, we all get thirsty, don't we? Just talking about being thirsty makes us want a glass of water, right? 
Well, hospitality is the art of making our neighbors feel well taken care of. It doesn't have to be elaborate, expensive, or complicated. Hospitality might just be as simple as offering a glass of water. When I was in seminary, Dr. Amy Oden grabbed my attention with her belief that Christian identity is anchored in otherness, right? What that means is that before anyone can truly be a faithful follower, before we can do things like offer hospitality, we must first accept our own marginal position. Marginal in the sense that we understand that we all began as outsiders. We all began as the other, as alien. Perhaps that's why my friend Tom from Sierra Leone still keeps a pot of stew on his stove during the evening, just in case someone knocks on the door. Tom knows isolation. He knows what it feels like to be an outsider, and he especially feels it here in the United States. And yet he is ready to offer a table and a meal for anyone who feels the same. I want to share with you this morning some things about an island off the coast of Scotland. This is an ancient island. Um, it was really developed in the 6th century. Um, it's a place where an ancient abbey has been restored. Are any of the pictures up on the screen yet? Here we go. That's the first picture. Um, what, what is so grace-filled about the island of Iona and the abbey and the work of the community there is that they have prioritized hospitality as their primary work. So let's take a look here. This We can go back to that other slide. When you first arrive at the Abbey, these are little figures that children created in the garden to welcome people as they walk up to the Abbey. It takes two bus rides, two ferry boat rides, and a, a walk about a mile long to get up to the Abbey. We can go to the next screen. Thank you, Alex. And there's a picture of the Abbey. The Abbey's prioritizing hospitality um, is expressed in that even though it takes so much work to travel and get there, if you get there by chance and do not have a reservation, they will still find a place for you to sleep. It might be on a floor in a cabin, but they will, they will provide for you to stay there. So in the 6th century, uh, an Irish bishop by the name of Columba founded the uh, ministry on Iona. And the reason for this is that he was exiled from Ireland the country that he loved, the country that he spread the gospel. I think he was um, known alone for establishing 30 churches in Ireland. And he was exiled over an unusual copyright law. He got into a little leather boat, a little coracle, they called it, with 12 monks, and said that he would not land, stop and land, until he could no longer see Ireland behind him. 
And so that is how he, land, how he came upon the island of Iona. Now, his monks were responsible for Christianizing all of Scotland and northern England. So you can imagine two bus rides and two ferry boat rides, and they were still um, walking and ferrying across bodies of water so that they could spread the gospel back in the 6th century. In 1943, George MacLeod, a Scottish priest, in response to the industrialization of the cities, the growing poverty in the cities, and the threat of nuclear response, decided that it was time to um, rebuild the abbey on Iona and make it a place where people could go and spend time to center themselves on the loving presence of God so that they could be sent back out into the world uh, to offer acts of mercy and justice. And so in 1943, he collected, they were all volunteers, um, and again, imagine again the travel and, and getting all the building materials over to the island in order to rebuild the abbey. And so there were a lot of stones that were just collected from around the island and from nearby islands and, and the nearby mainland. And what he told his stone workers was that he said, I will not have you throw one stone away. Every single stone that we have collected to rebuild this abbey will be used in the rebuilding. And so we often call the abbey a sermon in stone because it included, it is, it is meant to be inclusive of everyone and everything. A deep, deep care for all of creation. We can go to the next slide. Now on the island, there really are three communities. There's the community at the abbey, there's an international community that grows out of the abbey, but there's also this community of 100 residents that live on the island. The island's only about a mile long. And this is a picture of my husband speaking with a man by the name of Mr. Briggs, who was 92 at the time. And imagine that here's a 92-year-old man. There are 130,000 people that visit the island every year, and he was still standing at his mailbox to greet people and welcome people in. Just imagine that kind of hospitality. Um, Really, really enjoyed. In fact, he... um, then wound up going to his garden and digging up some bulbs and giving us some lilies. And of course, we couldn't travel home with them because you can't take plants home on the airplane with you, but we did replant them on the island. We'll go to the next. The island has a wonderful practice of sharing all of its resources. And so where you see the cows grazing is also the golf course. And so, there, you know, all of creation gets to participate in everything that God has to offer um, on that island. Um, there, there really is the continued belief that began uh, in the early centuries of what we would call Celtic culture of honoring all of creation, right, of living in relationship with what is divine and also living in right relationship with all of creation as well. We'll go to the next slide. Here's a a 
uh, image from taken after worship in the abbey. I, I don't know how well you can envision this. Most of the people are standing in the center aisle. But if you look just to the left of the photograph, you'll see the little seats that are kind of like individual seats. They each have little armrests around them. And there's exactly that same setup on the other side of the abbey. So the congregation faces one another. What a wonderful gift to be facing one another in the midst of worship. Um, as they uh, people come and go from the abbey, some people are visitors, but all the volunteers that are there are all offered an opportunity to share their gifts. And when you get to the abbey, they'll give you an assignment. You might be assigned to serve tea that day. You might be assigned to scrubbing the loo. Uh, you might be assigned to working in the gift shop or taking people on a walk. Um, but everyone has a job to do, and they will uh, include everyone in that. Go to the next slide. I think we're missing one, but we'll, we'll go there anyway. So that, this is an image of a uh, female goddess. And this image is, I don't know if you can see the little white stones that are triangular. And this image is set into the stones of a nunnery, which was also on the island. So you can imagine that the abbey and its monks were served by the sisters who lived in the nunnery on the island. Next slide. But you'll see that they never rebuilt the nunnery. And I kind of love that because what that nunnery represents is just the um, unfinished living word of God, right? This opportunity that if we open ourselves up, we can allow the gospel to flow out through us. Um, and in this nunnery, you'll find lots of birds and little creatures and beautiful flowers, and it is a living and growing, growing space on the island. So even though it was never rebuilt, it almost has um, a more powerful message than the abbey itself. I think that's the end of the slides. Thank you. So... How might we, how might each one of us become living and breathing sanctuaries? How might we widen ourselves, open ourselves in hospitality to send the good news out into the world? I wonder sometimes if it's we ourselves who close ourselves off from even welcoming God into our lives. You know, sure, we worship, and sure, we serve. Sure, we do good things for others. We do good things in our communities. But I wonder about our motives. We teach our children to be self-sufficient, independent, and do most everything all on their own. But here's the thing. The art of hospitality, both giving and receiving, is a matter of connection Giving and receiving are acts that illuminate our response to God's grace, to God's loving us. And it's the Spirit that moves in us every time we are in the midst of an act of giving or receiving friendship or love or sharing a meal or offering water. We are able to recognize the Spirit at work in our lives, moving in and through us, when we slow down and pay attention. Slowing down 
and paying attention are not words we often hear in our fast-paced culture that we live in right now. David Rensberger is a professor of New Testament, and he has said something that has struck me. I've lived with these words for a long time. He said that listening to another is equal to loving them. Listening to another is equal to loving them. So, how many of us take time to listen to God? How many of us are able to set aside our own ego needs and to allow ourselves to be empty enough to not be enough so that God can fill us? In slowing down and paying attention, perhaps we can learn that living in relationship with God is sufficient for our needs. Listening for God helps us to open the doors of our hearts. But waiting on God's Spirit to lead us can take time. And as we stop and listen for God, any of you spend some time in silence? Anyone practice a little bit of silence? You know, we have all the, the things that come into our mind anytime we sit down to reflect and listen for God, right? We think, oh my gosh, I have to remember to start the dishwasher, add eggs to the grocery list, don't forget to buy the dog food, remember to make that appointment with the doctor, right? But once we let go of the laundry list of things, we might find ourselves quieted by divine love. Quieted by divine love. Immersed in the spaciousness of a loving being, a loving presence. Maybe then we truly can open the doors of our hearts to let God in and others. Not for our purposes, but for God's purposes. So listening for God might challenge us and take us to new places and new people we might find new ways of extending hospitality. So I'm going to invite you for just a minute. Let's take a moment to listen, really. Just a moment. I'm going to ask you to kind of roll your neck and shrug your shoulders, right? Get a little bit relaxed. Take a breath. Listen for your breath. And then listen to your body. Listen for the tension, the warmth, Maybe the pulsing of your heartbeat. Now, sometimes listening in the silence is just silence. But I invite you for the next minute to simply sit and breathe and rest in the loving presence of God, welcoming love into your breathing sanctuary. close with my favorite story about Mother Teresa. She was out in the streets of Calcutta 
with her Sisters of Mercy, and they came upon several people lying in the streets, ill, destitute, starving. And she said to the sisters that were with her, you take care of these over here. Take them to the doctor, uh, get them a meal, some fresh clothing, um, maybe transport them to the hospital, but I'm going to take care of this one, an older woman lying in the street very near to death. And the Sisters of Mercy took off with their charges to, to take care of them. And Mother Teresa knelt down in the street. She provided a fresh pallet and bedding and offered sips of water. She washed the woman's face and hands gently. And as she was doing this, she looked in the woman's eyes, and the woman smiled up at her. Mother Teresa later writes that she was taken aback. If it had been me dying in the streets, I would have complained, I would have cried, I would have shouted out in pain. And this woman, she looked up at me and smiled. Doesn't matter if we're sick, doesn't matter if we're poor, if we are addicted, if we are living in the aftermath of bad choices, if we're grieving the losses of our beloveds, or simply being overwhelmed by life. Everyone has the opportunity to welcome another. That means you, and that means me. Everyone has the ability to be a living and breathing sanctuary. We are all able to be a loving presence for another. Thanks be to God.